based on the 13th amendment, you know, slavery is still legal because of the clause in there that says if a person does have that conviction, they still actually can be enslaved. And Welcome to another episode of Hey, I'm Listening. I'm your host, Dr. Joan. This week, we are talking with Dr. Zaria Davis about the trauma of mass incarceration. And you know that we are doing a Black History Month series, and we thought this particular issue was pivotal for us to include. We're going to talk also about the racialized history of the criminal legal system, we're going to talk about women and incarceration and the importance of healing and preventative care. And we're also going to talk about restorative justice. You've heard those words before, but we're going to give them all some meaning today. Welcome to the show, Dr. Zaria. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to um, just this discussion, and I really hope that it is beneficial to those who are listening. Absolutely. So let me tell you a little bit about this wonderful lady that is sitting in front of me. Dr. Zaria Davis is a mentor, educator, and advocate. As a senior consultant with New Direction Coaching and Consulting, I love that name, by the way, her focus is on healing through spiritual care, leadership development, and advocacy within the criminal legal system. Dr. Davis is trained in racial healing circles and serves as an equity champion. Love that. Zaria is passionate about addressing the challenges of mass incarceration and the need for restorative justice for individuals, organizations, coalitions, and communities. She holds, listen to this folks, a doctor in social work from Capella University, a master's in social work from the University of Cincinnati, and a BA in sociology from Wilberforce University. She is currently enrolled at Eden Theological Seminary, love that name too, pursuing her uh, master's in divinity and serving as co-president of the student cabinet. Welcome, welcome, welcome again. So let's get into it. The U.S. has the most people incarcerated each year and the most people across history incarcerated as a nation, as one single nation, it has the most people in prison. My question is why, why? Yeah. So first of all, again, thank you for having me. I think this is such an important topic because Um, I think that a lot of us, when we think about the criminal legal system, you know, we've been brought up to believe that people have done this bad thing and they deserve to be punished. And this is how we punish people. But as we see globally, um, because of the the huge disparities, as you just mentioned, in the numbers of people incarcerated here versus other places, um, there clearly are other ways to handle situations in community when, when their harm is done. Unfortunately, we have a system um, that has been set up from the beginning as being punitive. And um, as we think about just like the history, it, it started from, you know, people being enslaved. Right. So this is just a continuation historically of what we've witnessed over time. And unfortunately, it is now mass incarceration um, that is how it is visible. Based on the 13th Amendment, you know, slavery is still legal because of the clause in there that says if a person does have that conviction, they still actually can be enslaved. And so if you abolish slavery, 
um, for people, then you have to come up with how do we keep people in this same kind of mindset of like working for us for free, um, being able to produce and, you know, feed into our economy. And so mass incarceration is it. You wow. know, you have people in the prison systems. <laughs> you just shocked me for a second. I don't know. You probably noticed it on my face, but I was like, what? So what you're saying is legally, once you're incarcerated, whatever whatever still st stood way back when still stands today where a person can be considered a slave? Are you seriously? So the 13th Amendment has a clause. And I think that a lot of people, they, you know, they say, oh, um, you know, we have this, you know, system where slavery was abolished with this, but it literally says if a person has been convicted within the United States, that they still fall under that category. So there have been recent campaigns because a lot of states mirrored that, right? And so there were a lot of states recently in the last election that actually had it on their ballot to abolish slavery because not only is it on a federal level, but it's also on a state level. Yes. So, um, so there were, I think, about five states um, in this last election that had it set up to be abolished. So yeah, slavery is still legal in this country. And so through mass incarceration, you you're able to have what they call slave labor through our prisons and just even through our just our system as a whole. So you have people that are working for for little to nothing inside. Um, and I mean, fighting fires in California. I mean, there's so many stories of you hearing about what they call prison labor. Yes. And, and it's still going on. So it's just a, a modern day version of slavery. Absolutely. So then, mm -hmm. I mean, if you benefit from basically free labor or almost nothing kind of labor, then what would be the incentive to actually abolish slavery then if really this is generating, you know, some kind of profit for these prisons or whoever else is, you know, in this convoluted waters uh, that's here? Yeah, everybody, I mean, people don't realize how many people gain from our from our system, right? So it's it's not just because some prisons are private, but many of them are funded by our government, right? Yeah. Um, but then you also have like commissary companies, you have the phone and telecommunication companies. Um, even when they release people, you know, early and they put them on home confinement, you have the electronic monitoring companies, right? So all of these people benefit, right? Food services, all of these people benefit from mass incarceration. So there is no incentive, right, to actually to decarcerate our current systems because we live in a society that, you know, I mean, it's capitalism. People are about money. So if they can make money and not pay people or pay people two cents a day, you know, which is insane because it doesn't, I mean, you know, making pennies literally. Um, yeah, it's, it's worse. It's worse than the, what do you call them? The sweatshops or this, I don't know if, what the term mm -hmm. is, but the sweat lodges in, in India, you know, the places where you you basically have these people and they're locked in and they're producing t-shirts and stuff like that at basically very, very little cost. Like, so they basically now legalized in present day, the enslavement experience from the past. And then it's, it's not like you're on the land. At least you could go, you know, you know, have some fresh air when you need to, <laughs> but you're just, you're just there in these prisons. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, a lot of the times when I'm speaking, you know, 
the people, because I have my own lived experience. So the people that I've encountered, it just didn't even make sense. Like some of the charges that I met people that they, you know, they've had, it's like, they couldn't, that couldn't have been addressed in, within a community. Like you right. had to lock that person up. They right. had to go to prison. Right. But if, but if people are getting money in their pockets, why not? Why would, you know, why would they change it? It's the system that works for them. So what I'm wondering then is if there is a system that is at work, it benefits, then there's also a system that's streaming people into the prisons, Right. And so how does that system play out? What does that look like? Maybe you can talk even about your own personal experience as you dissect this one for us. So I think that uh, one of the challenges currently from my experience and just across the board is we are we have a system that is a presumption of guilt. Yes. upon arrest, right? Like so people are not really presumed innocent and they have to prove their innocence, right? Um, so that creates problems just across the board. In addition to that, there is no um, repercussions for for people lying, like systems people, meaning like yeah. prosecutors, U.S. attorneys. There's no, there, there's nothing. So a person who is being charged can be, um, you know, get additional charges for perjury and things like that. But there's nothing on the other end if it's the other way around. So how do you prove your innocence when someone is saying, starting out saying you're guilty? Like it's, it's like this catch, right? Um, And, and the thing is, you know, unfortunately to me, even though it may not be monetary incentives, people are incentivized in some of these professions by getting a certain number of cases that they, you know, have won and they get promotions and they run for offices and they say, I put people, you know, this tough on crime kind of thing. We locked up this many people. Right. And yet we're criminalizing people in poverty. We're criminalizing people who are unhoused. We're criminalizing, you know, the list just goes on as far as instead of us providing supports and resources in communities, we're penalizing people for the the situations that they're in and they end up in the system. Right. And then they just end up cycling through. And so there's even incentives to me on the system side before they even get people even get to prison as it relates to, to that, like the number of people that are arrested, the people that are being prosecuted, all of those things. Wow. So I think that um, when I look at my own situation, there were a lot of like missteps and some different things. And, you know, one of the things that I, I served a year in federal prison. And so I, um, when I came, year? a year, I had a, initially a 24 month sentence and then it got reduced. And, you know, I explained to people often um, at the time that I was sentenced, I had just um, gotten my doctorate degree. I was actively employed. You know, I was not a threat to the world, you know, and yet they were like, we still are going to send you to prison. Right. I was a single parent. Wow. And I unfortunately had to leave my child with my father who was at the time, like right after I got in diagnosed with cancer. And so he wasn't able to care for her. And it just, it just didn't make sense. Right. It just didn't make sense. I wasn't a, a harm to the community or anything else. So there has to be something more to it when you're just, when you're locking up people who could still be productive members of society. Right. Not saying there shouldn't be um, any type of, you know, consequences if you feel like a person has done harm, but it doesn't automatically, shouldn't automatically equate to prison. 